Chapter 16 of Old Broad Brim into the Heart of Australia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Old Broad Brim into the Heart of Australia by St. George Henry Rathborn. Chapter 16 The Doom of Waters. The compact between Old Broad Brim and Dick Waters was a secret one, and if they were not suspected, they might carry out their plans against Macrae and his beautiful friend. But they were in a wild land, and also in the very shadow of discovery and death. Beldemona was suspicious, as the detective knew, for she was a keen, cool-headed creature, vengeful to a degree, and with Merle to stand by her, the future did not look very promising. Old Broadbrim recalled the pledge he had made to Nora Doone and Foster Kip in America. He did not forget the young girl's last present, the four-leaf clover, which he carried in his bosom. Now and then when on guard he would take it from its hiding place and look at it. More than once, under the stars of Australia, he had inspected the little keepsake to smile in secret over the gift and to recall the giver. For several days after the making of the compact in the little house on the ranch, Nothing occurred to break the monotony of wild life in the bush. Blacklocks and his raiders kept aloof for some cause, and Star-Eyes was not apprehended. Merle recovered rapidly from his wound, which was not a bad one, and at the end of the week he was as well as ever. Old Broadbrim and Waters matured their plans. They intended to abduct Merle some night and take him to Perth, where they felt the authorities would give them escort to Melbourne in which city they would be able to fasten their grip on the murderer. They got together and talked over their plans, Waters being fertile in imagination and shrewd and cool. The night for the attempt was selected. The day destined as they thought to be their last one on the ranch came and found the two men ready. Old Broad Brim stood in the rich parlor of Belle de Mona, who was showing him her jewels, which she had brought from her boudoir. The detective recalled Waters' story of the sight he had seen on the dresser when he invaded the room, and he looked at them closely. Merle brought them from London, said the woman. I gave him the commission, which he executed faithfully, and he could not have made a better selection. As she set the jewel box aside, she continued, You promised to tell me about your life in the States. Now is a good time for the story, Mr. Riggs. Old Broadbrim had been expecting this and the request did not take him by surprise. He had made up his story, and had conned it over more than once in the silent hours of the night, in the hut and on guard. It was well plotted and well told. Beldemona listened closely, and did not lose a word. Old Broadbrim told of the life in the far west, of living in Omaha and beyond, but said nothing of the eastern cities. It is strange to me, Mr. Riggs, that you never visited the great cities on the eastern seaboard of the United States, said she. I like the West and its free life too well. But there is excitement in New York. There is real life in any large city. And the free and easy career one can run there is equal to the one the plains afford. You must know something of the cities, Miss Bell, said the detective. I do, was the quick confession. I have not always lived in Australia. I thought you had not. I came out here for a change and to make money. One tires of the cities. London is full of life and Paris and... She stopped as if she was treading on forbidden ground and looked away. 
The keen eyes of the detective were watching her. It's better out here, he said. Here one is free and owns no master. But one has annoyances here. There's the girl who gives me a good deal of trouble. You didn't find her, Riggs? Not yet. She lurks somewhere on the ranch. She is very cunning. Yes, but I'll find her. Let me find this creature and she will have cause to remember me to the day of her death. As she spoke, her eyes flashed and her breath seemed to come in gasps. Riggs, will you go to Perth for me? She suddenly asked, lowering her voice. When? Now. You can start at a moment's notice. The horse can be had at the door inside of five minutes, and you know the way. Old Broadbrim hesitated. To refuse to carry out her wishes would be to throw him under the shadow of suspicion, and to go would disarrange the plans he and Waters had formed. It is very urgent business, and I feel that you are the man of all our guards to be trusted, continued the ranch queen. You can ride Black Duke, and he will take you safely to Perth. I will go. Old Broadbrim arose and left the house. Beldemona said she would prepare the message to be carried, and requested him to come back within five minutes. Five minutes? He would have to warn Waters. He found the young man smoking as usual in the guard's house, and broached the subject at once. It means something, this ride, said Waters at once. She is playing a game. I believe it. I can't be back before tomorrow. We must put off the blow. I see no other way, but be careful. There may be underneath this mission the fatal stroke of death. She may suspect, and if she does, our plans fail. Old Broadbrim went back to the main house and was handed a package addressed to one Thomas Sang in Perth. The woman saying that it contained some of her jewels which were to be reset, the man addressed being a jeweler. Old Broadbrim hid the packet in his bosom and bade Beldemona goodbye. She followed him to the door and saw him vault into the saddle upon the black steed's back. She stood on the porch and watched him out of sight. The moment the horse and rider vanished, she sent for waters. The young man put out his pipe and entered her presence. Beldemona, who reclined on the sofa when he came into the room, sprang up and cried, Now, sir, tell me all. Who is he? She stood there before the astonished waters like an angel of destruction and her eyes seemed to emit sparks of fire. In one hand she gripped a silver-mounted revolver, and the other covered Waters, whose face had turned livid. Tell me the truth. You know him. He is not Roland Riggs. That is but a false name to hide his purpose. He is here for some terrible cause. You have talked with him. You have become as thick as two birds in the same nest. Not only this, but you have formed a compact. The truth, Waters. She talked so fast that the young man could not catch his breath. He looked into the depths of her eyes and saw danger, if not death, there. Her regal figure seemed to have increased an inch in stature, and then all his life poor Waters had never seen such a picture of a fair fiend as she was. Beldemona took a mad step toward him. "'Silence is guilt!' she cried. "'Tell me all. He is not Riggs. You must tell me or die.' "'He is Riggs.' It is false. You have seen him in secret. You have met him in the guard's house and on the range. You have been seen in secret caucus under the stars and in dark places. I want all waters. The young man raised his hand and met her look calmly now. To me he is Riggs. That is what he told me, he said. 
At once the woman caught up a bell on the table and rang it suddenly. A door across the room opened, and three of the old guards made their appearance. "'That's the man!' cried the woman, pointing at Waters. "'Seize him and take him. You know whither, men.' The trio sprang towards Waters, and his arm was beaten down and he was borne back. "'It is death to lie to me!' cried the ranch queen, stamping her foot on the carpet. "'You can't do it and live. I am mistress here. I am a woman of death.' In another moment, Waters had been hustled from the room and into the one beyond. It was almost dark, but he caught sight of a flight of steps when a door was open. Down he was forced by his captors, and presently he stood on the ground in a place the dimensions he could not make out on account of the gloom. There he was flung from the men, and fell against a stone wall at the foot of which he sank half-stunned. He rallied a moment later to hear a door shut, and he knew that he was Beldemona's prisoner. When old Broadbrim came back he would be entrapped, and the game would end. Water saw through the whole diabolical plan of the cool-headed woman of the ranch. He arose and felt his way around the dungeon with his hands. The door was shut and locked on the outside. His one match, which he struck on the stones, showed him a small dungeon and one strong enough to hold a dozen giants. When Riggs came back, perhaps he would have a companion in the dense gloom, but he dared not think of this. Perhaps Riggs would never come back. For some time Waters stood against the wall and thought with a burning brain. Suddenly the wall behind him seemed to recede. He felt it moving back, and all at once he seemed to fall headlong into lightless space. Waters threw up his hands and tried to check his fall, but without success. He landed in what appeared to be a lower cell than the first one, and when he regained his feet he heard an outburst of demon laughter. The liar dies. The fool finds his end in darkness at a mocking voice. End of chapter 16